chapter eleven of one thing needful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org one thing needful by mary elizabeth braddon chapter eleven but all her ties the strong invader broke lord lashmar having a keen and curious mind had watched that interview between the statesman and her ladyship's reader and had marvelled much what they had been talking about there had been dramatic action too that had puzzled him stella's clasped hands and face uplifted appealingly to nestorius what could it all mean he thought about it during the morning's battue and shot other people's birds with a recklessness that drew down reproof from his guests it isn't english hospitality to take a man's bird from under his nose said captain vavasour whereupon lashmar owned that he had been wool-gathering you better wake up old man suggested the barrister or you may be firing at one of us next i've been told that i am rather like an old cock pheasant everybody is like something zoological don't you know vavasour is like a sheep and you have a look of an eagle or a falcon fierce restless unsatisfied mr nestorius came in late to afternoon tea to find the shooters established round the fire lady sophia among them in a corduroy shooting-gown with picturesque buttons while the other women languished in tea-gowns and took credit to themselves that they were not as that publican every woman is proud of her own particular line whatever it is the feminine woman is proud of her pretty limpness and little affectations the masculine woman is proud of her mannishness the ignoramus rejoices that she is not a blue stocking while the bookish damsel scorns her unlettered sister hence universal self-satisfaction women envy one another their gowns and their jewels their carriages drawing-rooms and lovers but every woman thinks her own personality the best blowsabella would hardly change faces with mrs langtry pray where have you been hiding yourself all day mr nestorius asked clarice with an offended air except for a brief appearance at luncheon we have seen nothing of you life is not all pleasure lady carmenau he answered with an air of meaning much more than he said that little affectation of suppressed feeling which is the most acceptable flattery to a sensible woman i had letters to write and papers to read all the morning and i spent the afternoon with my old friend werner why is not mr werner asked to the castle exclaimed lady carmenau turning suddenly to lord lashmar he is evidently the most attractive person in the neighbourhood this is not the first occasion on which he has deprived us of the society of mr nestorius an old bookworm does not generally exercise that kind of magnetism unaided answered lashmar with a faint sneer but i think to-day there was a feminine element 
mr nestorius has taken it into his head to be interested in my brother's protege and i believe she spends all her leisure with old werner she was with him this afternoon said nestorius yes i am deeply interested in her i have not been so much interested in any woman since not since your dissolution interrupted lady carmenau innocently there was an awkward pause for at the time of that unexpected and fatal dissolution it had been said that mr nestorius was influenced by a feminine counsellor and that if as his admirers alleged nestorius was a prophet there was also a prophetess a sibyl behind the curtain giving forth mystic breathings words of wisdom but always just a little too far in advance of the time the statesman seemed sublimely unconscious of that sudden silence yes the girl is altogether remarkable a creature of exceptional bringing up and of exceptional talent your brother's influence upon so young a child is a remarkable fact in psychology i must have a long talk with you about this girl and her destiny lashmar i am quite ready to discuss that thrilling question but i believe she is fairly provided for in this house and as she is useful to my mother i do not see any necessity for disturbing the status quo this came oddly from a man who only last night had compared stella's condition to that of a chained eaglet that is rather a selfish view of the question said nestorius i should be sorry to deprive lady lashmar of an admirable reader but there are plenty of mediocre young women in the world who can read aloud and i think miss boldwood is a genius and ought not to waste the best years of her life independence and drudgery has she been complaining to you asked lashmar sharply not by one word not by so much as a suggestion but she has done me the honour to confide in me as a friend of the man who has educated her she tells me that her father is not dead or that she has never had tidings of his death her father is as dead as queen anne he lost his life in trying to save hers poor beggar she was not five years old at the time and her passionate grief for the father made such an impression upon my brother that he had not the heart to tell her the truth he paltered with her told her that her father had gone away to a distant country they would meet again yes in years to come she would see him again he meant in the land of shadows she accepted the promise as gospel truth and lash never had the courage to undeceive her there was so much of the woman about him poor fellow he warned all the servants against letting out the true story of the fire threatened me with his lasting displeasure if i ever blurted out the truth implored my mother to be silent and as neither her ladyship nor i could endure the sight of his protege there was not much fear that either of us would be talking to her about her father i don't think i saw the child half a dozen times during poor lashmar's life for one reason i was seldom here and for another his ways were not my ways those three innocents my brother old werner and the child used to lead a kind of arcadian existence like shepherds in a virgilian eclogue to undeceive her now would be cruel said nestorius gravely her idea of her father's existence 
is a consoling hallucination as she grows older and knows more of the world doubt will arise and then sad certainty that they two can never meet more on earth poor boldwood i can see him now rushing along holywell in his rag of a gown a tall herculean figure a face like a titan's ugliness and power curiously combined he had fine eyes i remember but not her eyes they are southern the legacy of the gitana no doubt by the by i found something among my brother's hoards that may interest you boldwood's relics only a miniature and some charred papers utterly unreadable who knows whether we might not get them read experts contrive to decipher even a charred manuscript nowadays i should like to examine boldwood's relics you can do so whenever you like such a philanthropic curiosity ought to be satisfied answered lashmar smilingly he made believe to laugh at the statesman's kindly enthusiasm but he was not the less angry had not he and his mother set their faces from the very outset against this waif of brum gutters this spawn of radicalism and lo she was perked up before them as the offspring of a balliol undergraduate a man of good family and gentle breeding a fallen angel but certainly angelic one of that starry host which burke registers and society agrees to consider worthy such an one may fall very low may labour among journeymen may cast in his lot with rebels and socialists but there is always something of the original blue blood a narrow streak of the divine ichor which distinguishes the gently born one can forgive so much in a man whose ancestors were worthy lashmar was deeply wroth with the statesman it seemed to him as if mr nestorius had only come to the castle to reverse the existing order of things to bring the sediment to the surface he is the same everywhere and in everything he said to himself he sweeps away all the old landmarks he cannot spend a week in a country house without hatching a revolution not a word did nestorius say of stella's authorship he had promised her that her literary attempts should remain a secret between those two alone the publisher was to know nothing of his author's personality the reading world was to get neither real name nor nom de plume the book was to be issued anonymously it would tell its own story mr nestorius deserted the drawing-room that evening withdrew quietly while lady carmenau was playing schumann and lulling every one to a delicious repose after an admirable dinner a dreamy languor broken by low murmurs of conversation it was not that the statesman was indifferent to schumann exquisitely played music was one of the facets of his many-sided mind but to-night he had another and keener interest he went straight to the library where he found lashmar still toiling at hansard are you reading up the factory question he asked lightly that's a pity your full man never tells in debate just get an inkling of your subject my dear fellow and flash out a few stray facts at random like the rays of a bull's-eye lantern you know what you want and what your factory people ought to want don't ruin your case with statistics and hard facts touch and go man touch and go i will be as touch and go as i can but i should like to know the extent of the evil i want to legislate against 
my dear lashmar you can never legislate against the liberty of the operative his divine right to sell his labour in the best market and to plot murder and to conspire with his fellow-workers to bring about the ruin of his employer that's all nonsense i mean the conspiracy murder is an occasional accident there is no such thing as conspiracy thews and sinews are worth what they will fetch and if men can make more of their labour by cooperation they are right to cooperate the fact remains that the employer generally gets rich and the workman invariably remains poor employers are occasionally ruined by their own vices or extravagances not by trade losses they spend a hundred thousand pounds upon pictures and another hundred thousand in feasting their superiors and then they go bankrupt but is the operative to work for less than his labour is worth in the best market in order that his employer may build himself a palace and entertain the landed gentry no lashmar union is strength and trade unionism is the only defence of the penniless against the millionaire but i didn't come here to argue i want you to show me those papers what papers asked lashmar pretending not to understand boldwood's relics how keen you are upon my word you have all the eagerness of a boy lashmar rose and went to a chippendale cabinet one of the gems of the library it was the place in which his brother had kept all his private letters and lashmar had explored it six months after he came into his inheritance curiously sadly that blighted and barren life had left fewest memorials no woman had ever loved the hunchbacked lord despite that sweetly pensive face of his and a refinement that was almost womanly it might have been that he had in him the power to win love and to keep it but he had never tested that power he had kept himself aloof from all feminine companionship until he took boldwood's orphan child for his plaything the tin case was opened and the packet of papers laid on the table these can be deciphered i believe said nestorius they are only scorched and blackened by smoke not charred i'm going up to london on business to-morrow will you allow me to take these with me and place them in the hands of an expert for transcription if you really think it worth while they may be papers of no importance letters from duns perhaps boldwood would hardly have kept them in that tin case unless they were of some consequence they may throw a light upon his life abroad upon his marriage and on stella's birth i understand it is your interest in her which makes you eager to find out all you can about her father naturally my interest is in the living not in the dead he opened the case and looked at the miniature stella's eyes he said and the outline of stella's cheek and chin this must have been her grandfather you jump at conclusions quickly the fact seems obvious boldwood married in spain this is the face of a spaniard a spanish snip made this coat oh i know the country of don quixote from gibraltar to biscay that is hardly the portrait of a gipsy of course not nor has your brother's protege any of the characteristics of gipsydom there is nothing of the nomad about her pride not craft looks out of those splendid eyes she comes of an old race rooted in the land 
never came such an offshoot as that from a wandering tribe of low-caste indians but these smoke-blackened letters may tell us something if they can be deciphered if they can be deciphered why it was but the other day when the cow-signed registers of the parisian record office were transcribed by parisian experts there can be no difficulty about deciphering these End of chapter 11